0: Better Call Saul season one, episode four, is over, but we're just getting started here on Better Call Saul Live on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the two guys who are decked out in Ham Lindigo. I'm Rob Sisternino, and here's Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you?
1: rob how you doing I, and, and thank everybody for joining us tonight i hope that you guys uh don't feel like you're talking to two buttholes here
0: no no yeah, that uh never never antonio maybe maybe one but uh that's uh i will take full ownership of the butthole
1: you're saying this is a one butthole podcast <laughs> yeah. i got it all right it's like earbuds but not you know, you know yeah then it would be zero zero uh, buttholes
0: yes so a uh, very fun episode tonight
1: it's sort of like uh, seeing somebody do something that they're really good at. I, I mean, I love that we see that with Jimmy McGill. We know he's really good at talking, but I don't think we really knew how good of a scammer that Saul Goodman was in Breaking Bad. Uh, we knew he was a smart guy and kind of a sharp guy, but I don't think we knew the lengths that he would go to to run scams. So I really like that we're seeing both slip and Jimmy of the past. And the modern uh, James McGill, kind of the scams he's running in Albuquerque there. I'm really liking that aspect of this show for sure. It's a a good way for this show to stretch its legs without trending too much into the Breaking Bad territory.
0: Yeah, you know, just going back to Breaking Bad and trying to think about it. Like, I I don't remember Saul pulling too many shenanigans uh, like we're seeing Jimmy pull. But um, it does help lend some credence to the old uh, rice and cigarette pack thing that he was able to be the mastermind of that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and just the kind of, like, slip and fall or bumping into somebody, pulling something off. Like, this is old hat to uh, to what is Saul Goodman, and now in what we see in the past is Jimmy McGill. Like, this is just something that he's really skilled at. So it's always nice to see somebody at the top of their game. In the first episode, we saw him with this great kind of closing argument for a case that was lost before he even walked into the courtroom. Uh, so we saw him in his oratory skills, but I really like seeing the sort of brilliant sk- skills he's got uh, in terms of running scams it's really nice
0: yeah uh, and this was an episode which was i uh, had a lot of fun stuff we ended on a chuck note and i'm sure we'll get into uh jimmy's master plan here tonight of course we're live here on post show recaps right now uh it is monday night as we are recording this we got the chat room going on post plus scott st pierre is following your tweets on twitter hashtag ps recaps and of course on our youtube channel at Postshowrecaps.com/Yououtube. dot com slash YouTube. All right. So uh, Antonio, let's uh, let's get into this uh, really the masterpiece of Jimmy here tonight. This whole bit with the putting up the uh, what do you call the, the billboard and uh, going through the whole thing with hiring the students and the whole thing with the camera and then the guy falling off. At what point did you know exactly what Jimmy was doing?
1: I got to say, I uh, I didn't know it right away. I'd, I'd be interested to know when you were kind of on to it. I, I thought he was looking for sympathy and he was going to be, what we were going to be seeing was actually his first commercial. Saul Goodman, famous for his commercials. Uh, we've seen him kind of in different ways, shapes and forms. Uh, even at the beginning of this series, Better Call Saul, he's watching as Gene in the future. He's watching himself at his old commercial. So I thought we're going to get the first Jimmy McGill commercial. This is going to be like a, a real origin story here. I didn't think that he was going to take it to that level. But once he kind of shot up that ladder, I was like, there's no way. There's just no way he does that unless he knows that there's something in it for him. How about you? Yeah, once he made the
0: break for the ladder, I said, "Okay, this is definitely another scam. You know, it was like I thought the guy was going to fall off. uh, And then once he didn't fall off and he goes to save him, then I knew uh, that was 100 percent where this was going.
1: Yeah, I thought it was going to fall off and it's just going to be yet another in the long line of kind of bad breaks for what we've seen Jimmy McGill so far. He keeps trying to find success and he keeps getting these kind of bad beats or bad breaks uh, and trying to kind of talk his way out of it. So I thought here he's got this great thing planned out. He's going to film this really sappy, sentimental commercial tug at the heartstrings with these kids for real bottom dollar kind of type stuff. Uh, But I did not realize that he had that planned at all.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was very unbreaking bad universe like to have the plan go off without a hitch. You know, typically, you know, we get all these plans, whether it's Jimmy, whether it's uh, w- whether it's uh, Walter White, um, you know, we lay out the plans this is how it's going to work. This is going to happen. Everything looks like it's going good. And then something unexpected happened unless you count the Chuck finding out about it, the unexpected part of the plan.
1: Yeah, and thankfully there was a hitch; otherwise, the guy would have been on the ground, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> waka waka. No, I uh, I agree. It, it was definitely not in keeping, uh, and nor was the first scam that we saw at the beginning of the episode—the kind of historic scam that was from the history of Slip and Jimmy. Uh, these are successful capers, which in the in the Breaking Bad universe is rare. And I guess we will have to wait and see if the other shoe dropping on this—the famous Breaking Bad other shoe—is Chuck finding out. I mean. Earlier in the series, Jimmy said, I'm not backsliding Chuck. He's clearly made a promise to Chuck, but I mean, this is, this is some pretty key backsliding. You see him trying to workshop what his explanation to Chuck would be when he's standing outside right before he walks in. And there's just no explanation. That's going to look to Chuck like anything except backsliding.
0: Yeah. So, so, this is really a uh, a very intricate plan that Saul ends up or Jimmy ends up coming up with uh, in this episode. How long do you feel like he was thinking about this before it ultimately went into action?
1: I thought I wonder the same thing. It's a really good question because what we see first is He's in the, he's going to kind of the judge's chambers and she's really kind of shooting down his arguments. She does say you have the right to use your name. So I thought, oh, this was all one big ploy to get the court to say he can continue to use the name McGill. And that's all he ever wanted that this whole end around with the billboard was just one long con in order to get that to happen. But no, then he's outside in the hall trying to call the newspapers and he's, nobody's interested in the story. Nobody wants any part of this. And then he sees the UNM University of New Mexico sweatshirt and he's thinking students, and so then he's there with the students and that all makes sense. But I didn't see anything in his thought process that triggered the, the kind of slip and fall thing on the billboard. So I don't know. I mean, that might've been kind of a, a quickly hatched plan there when he thought he could get students involved. And then he thought, I mean, I, I just, it seems like it was pretty, uh, pretty quickly hatched. Cause I don't think this was his original plan when he put the billboard up.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it must've been because otherwise like, uh, You know, unless that he 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 was going for originally that he was going to do the billboard and just so that the judge could say he could use his own name. But I don't think it was ever a legal issue. I feel like they just told him he couldn't do it. And I don't know if they sued him or not. Do you know, Antonio, did they say he legally couldn't use his own name?
1: No, they didn't say that in in the past. I mean, they were kind of coming at him from a couple different angles on that. They kind of came at him uh, and wanted to talk about that. And then they also came at him via Chuck. Uh, they gave the matchbook to Chuck and said, hey, you know, don't you think this is a kind of a bad deal? And I think Jimmy felt that was fundamentally unfair because it's his name. And so I think he was upset about that from the jump. And I think he's uh, he's been looking for a way to kind of dig that knife back in. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's a, it's a very large expenditure and a very silly thing to do if this wasn't the plan the whole time. But I guess I don't understand where the calling newspapers thing plays in. Maybe he wanted the newspapers to be there covering it. When it happened, like maybe that's what he wanted. Uh, and then he would run the scam in front of the newspapers and he thought, well, if they won't show up, I'll just call these students. So maybe it was a longer con uh, all along. That seems to be what it, it probably was. Uh, but it just didn't, it didn't make sense in the moment why he was trying to call newspapers and failing like that seemed like the plan wasn't going to work. But maybe it was just that he wanted someone there.
0: It's a pre-YouTube world, Antonio. You got It doesn't matter if it's video or newspaper
1: or what. Yeah, just got kind of, it. And I, I thought to myself, like, man, that it's 2002. The internet does exist. That video would go viral like crazy nowadays.
0: Yeah, but no, no, they would not. <laughs> that that newspaper story was emailed around left and right, and there you go.
1: <laughs> Somebody <laughs> printed it out to show their parents People or something. Like, it, yeah, made copies. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how things went viral back in the day, just printing it out. Yeah.
0: So um that was uh sort of a uh a unique scam and it was sort of bookended by the scam from the beginning of the episode where Jimmy and a unknown uh gentleman do we know this guy's name?
1: No, I thought for a minute when he was on the ground that it was uh, Horatio Sands from SNL, but after he <laughs> stood up, I realized it wasn't. You I know, thought maybe that... Well, okay. maybe, that, maybe that's why we didn't see so much of Horatio on the 40th anniversary special. He was doing some saw work.
0: I was going to say, because that guy wasn't breaking the whole time and not breaking
1: bad. <sighs> <laughs> that's true he just wasn't like sitting on the ground just shaking and laughter that's very true
0: yeah so i mean how many times uh do they pull that scam where they give away the fake rolex to somebody i just feel like uh how many hooligans is jimmy hanging out with that have like hundreds of dollars in cash on them
1: yeah it's a good question uh zach brooks from post show recaps who's going to be i believe hosting the uh the house of cards recaps with yeah. you coming up is that right? Nice weekend. That's awesome. I can't wait on us. Yeah. Well, Frank Underwood does that. He just sneaks right up. Yeah. But uh, Zach tweeted at us at post show recaps and said that he needed us to explain how that scam makes Saul any money did you did you follow that? Did you follow how they were making money on that deal?
0: Yeah, you no, know, what the scam was was that you know they go ahead and they find a wallet and it has a thousand dollars in it and here's a guy who's passed out and they think he's dead and he's like, "Hey, I found this wallet uh, and then the guy ends up taking it. the other guy ends up taking the wallet, and then Jimmy is going to take the guy's watch, and uh, Jimmy acts like it's not uh like he's trying to hide what kind of watch it is, and the guy's like, "Hey, I know what that is." Uh, and so they say it's a $3,000 watch. And so because he had a wallet with $1,000 and the guy thinks he's getting away with something much more valuable, he says, hey, I'll let me make up the difference uh, with you since we both found that you take the cash, I'll take the watch. The guy thinks he's going to go off and pawn a $3,000, $4,000, whatever $1,000 watch. And he thinks that he got it for just giving the $500 that he had in his pocket to Jimmy. Jimmy ends up pocketing the $500 that's from the other guy um but i mean if jimmy was gonna like if me and jimmy are out one time and we're gonna go pull this uh pull this scam and uh not like i would run off with a watch but i think i'd have about at any given point uh somewhere between zero and ten dollars in my wallet
1: well, this is a pre, uh, this is a pre, lots of not, not carrying cash around world. Maybe like this is not a Bitcoin universe we're living in.
0: I guess so. Cause it's not, I mean, it's, it's a flashback from 2002. So what is it? 90, 91,
1: 92. Yeah. sometime uh, in the early nineties.
0: So maybe. yeah, I guess if you don't have your passbook uh, with you and the bank's not open, uh, I guess you need that kind of walking around money.
1: You guys take a check. Can you take a check? <laughs> take yeah, a check? I, yeah. I, I, yeah and probably what what Jimmy does is he probably sits in a bar uh and he probably sees somebody flashing a lot of cash around and kind of keeps his eyes peeled for that, and then he sidles up to the guy and kind of makes friends with him and you know it's probably in the he probably buys him some drinks and uh, kind of runs into that with him in a little bit, and then walks him out to the streets, tells him some sex tips, apparently how like a wolf that apparently gets it done who knew is that a good move uh, yeah uh, out of the ear, don't scream in the ear. Yeah, nothing. I don't think I. I don't think I could pull that off. I just don't think I could pull that off. I, I'm not getting away with that one. No, not with, Not with this beard. Uh, but anyway, they. Uh, yeah. So he runs it. You know, he I think finds the beard a guy. Sell it with the wolf look. You yeah, think? I oh, think so. Well, I'm gonna have to write. The, I'm gonna have to rewatch the episode. right us know on the show on.
0: next week if it works.
1: <laughs> all right i you will uh, i'll put. It. I'll post my thoughts on twitter in uh in vine form <laughs> <You> <laughs> but, vine, it, vine it it'll just be a, yeah it'll be about six seconds is what it'll be yeah. uh anyway that's, anyway that's the
0: uh how mine goes too
1: well that's good everybody yeah. everybody's got a vine in common i think but yeah. uh but yeah so uh, this is uh probably not a scam he can run too often i mean look we know that uh what happens with jimmy mcgill is that he this is not something that's uh That's going to make him rich. And he's not like the greatest con artist in the world. Like he's not showing up in dirty, rotten scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin. But uh, but yeah, this is not something that keeps him. It's just enough to, to buy him beer money, he says, you know, buy weed like it's nothing that he can really do anything with. So definitely not as good of a scam as what he runs at the end of the episode where he's getting seven legal leads out of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing about a scam and whether it's, you know, uh, what's something Jimmy is pulling or something on Survivor or anything. It's always like the magic show. It's always like, OK, why well, pay attention to my hand? And he's like, you're not watching what the other hand is doing. And uh, it really is very fun to see all these scams come up on the show.
1: Yeah, and especially the like the prestige element, right? Like the end of the trick, like seeing the guy stand up or seeing the guy slap Jimmy like a high five when he says it took you long enough. Like then it's like, oh, my God, that was a scam. And it's a really like a, a good moment for the audience. It's like a, a big smile came across my face when uh, when I saw that the end of the episode kind of scam was actually a scam like that was very happy about
0: that and you know thematically and it'll be interesting to see if this continues forward on this show but the mark is always the person who thinks they're getting away with something it's always the person that's getting ripped off just like Nacho said in uh, last week's episode I or maybe it was two weeks ago I like to go after the person who's already doing something illegal because they can't go to the cops and I think that that's going to be maybe a running theme throughout all of this show of people who are getting ripped off are the people that are already getting into the underhanded stuff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it happens with the Kettleman's in tonight's episode, right? Like, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it, Jimmy does take about 30K from them, it seems like. And uh, that's because that's hush money for them. He doesn't have to tell anybody. They're not going to tell anybody that they gave him the 30K. That's just a person that he can take advantage of. And clearly he wanted something bigger. He wanted them as his client, like his flagship client. But uh, they got a nice tidy 30K out of it. So uh, there there are worse things in the world.
0: Yeah. And I love that scene where they're like, no, Uh, you know, he's like, I can't take a bribe from you guys. Well, but I can. What I can take is a retainer to be your lawyer. And they're like, no, it's not going to work. He's like, well, why not? He's like, because you're the kind of lawyer that
1: guilty people hire. And he's like, but you're guilty. (laughs) Yeah, you're the the evidence is like right here. You're definitely guilty. You are like so guilty. Yeah. It's literally caught you red handed. Yeah.
0: And it's like, but even though we're guilty, we don't want to hire you because it makes it look like we're guilty. So we need to hire somebody who looks like a person that innocent people
1: hire. Yeah. And what's a shame about that is that this is like early Jimmy McGill. He hasn't even gone full Saul. And so this is just what he's saddled with is he just looks like a kind of a sleazy kind of guy that represents guilty people, even from the jump. Uh, and that's a really tough reputation to have that, that he can't really live down. And I think that's because he, he's still got that slipping Jimmy about him. He's a little too smooth. He's a little too, you know, unctuous, if you will, if that's the right word, like he's just oily and he can't really hide from his true nature. He was a criminal before he was a lawyer, so people can recognize that pretty quickly.
0: You know, after he gets that money and he ends up going for the makeover, um, I noticed that he had a, a extra long look at that orange shirt. Uh, and I feel like uh, I know that color theory is uh, alive and well in Better Call Saul. Did you notice uh, anything? Also, I felt like there was like a lingering shot of the orange
1: goldfish. Do you notice anything going on with orange? yeah uh, there's been a couple uh there's been a couple moments of of orange throughout the show and it's uh it's definitely something to track uh it's if the you new look black, at that's right it, 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 it's it is like
0: heisenberg black. he went to black and saul is going to orange
1: yeah and uh and it's it's the color of prison jumpsuits so you know the more orange saul embraces the closer he's getting to jail like there's a lot going on there right but uh but yeah i mean i like that uh that saul as we know saul from Breaking Bad. Uh, he's associated with these loud suits, these vibrant colors. Uh, And Jimmy sort of lives in kind of a dim fluorescent light kind of world. Uh, This is the first time we've really seen him kind of get jazzed up and he's wearing someone else's uniform. Like that's not his superhero outfit, his superhero outfit as we'll come to see is the Saul outfit. So uh, it is interesting to see him kind of lingering, looking at looks that if he really was not trying to look exactly like someone else, he might embrace uh, because we know where he ends up Uh, for those of you You haven't seen Breaking Bad, you know, look up images of Saul Goodman and you'll see what he looks like. I think there was an orange or red kind of sports car that zipped by the Hamlin Law offices at one point tonight. And I thought, oh, my God, did he go out and buy this car already? Like, so there's a lot going on with uh, with bright colors and the the sort of crazy world that Saul Goodman lives in that we're going to get to
0: yeah um nacho is out now um where do you think the nacho story goes uh was nacho Do you feel like he bought what's what jimmy was telling him about this case or is there going to be uh retribution from nacho coming
1: in my mind like the retribution is going to be in the form of a squeeze right like in i'm not talking about a physical squeeze although oh. that would be that could be retribution depending on where you squeezed it's certainly but, uh Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you don't want that, but, uh, but no, I think what's going to, I think maybe you do, maybe you do, maybe put it on vine. Maybe you howl like a wolf, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, uh, I just think that what we'll end up with is, uh, is Nacho kind of getting in some sort of trouble, uh, or kind of needing Saul to kind of launder or Jimmy to launder some money, uh, or put him in a kind of run some kind of criminal operation. And he's going to hold that over his head. Like you owe me, like I could put the squeeze on you big time. I could hurt you. Uh, I owe you for what you've done to me. So why don't you pay me back by laundering this money for me or helping me, you know, hide this body or whatever it is? I think it's going to get Jimmy in some criminal trouble, not necessarily physical harm. Uh, I don't know. What do you think?
0: At first, I was thinking that maybe Nacho was was going to be like, or Jimmy was going to be like to Nacho, like, hey. They do have all the money, like it's right there. (laughs) They have it like in a duffel bag, like minus thirty thousand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And screw them. They said that you know I look like the kind of lawyer that you have when you're guilty. Now that being said, if their all their money gets stolen, do the uh, the Kettlemans? Do they are they able to then? Go ahead and tell the police, hey, all of our money got stolen, uh, But even though it was stolen money, but we gave Saul Goodman or we gave Jimmy McGill uh, $30,000.
1: Yeah, possibly, Uh, especially since they might believe that uh, at that point that he is definitely involved with that money getting stolen, because he clearly knows about it. Uh, And they kind of paid him hush money to keep quiet about it. But if somebody shows up at their house the next night and steals it, uh, just like Nacho, I think they're going to be suspecting that Jimmy's involved. So I do think that uh, that it's something that probably would not be good for Jimmy. And so that's probably why he didn't say anything to Nacho. And I thought he made a pretty compelling case. And I thought he was somewhat obvious about it. Like, hey, if a person did call the cops, it's because that person was probably worried about those kids. And um, I don't know. Nacho may, may, may or may not have bought that as a valid reason for that. But uh, I do think he's going to use this against Jimmy in some way, shape or form. I don't think it's just going to be violence or putting him in jeopardy. It's going to be doing that with, uh, with a goal in mind. And that'll be getting Jimmy to do something.
0: Now, how do you think Nacho is going to react to all this publicity for Jimmy?
1: I wonder the same thing. Right. Because he can clearly like this is something that he will clearly look at it and say, like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I know that guy. He's a, he's kind of a skeezy kind of guy. I know he's kind of on the criminal edge. This this doesn't read right to me. I mean, Hamlin sniffs it out right away, doesn't he? Like he knows immediately that it's a publicity stunt.
0: Yeah, he does. And um, the, he ends up saying like, uh, oh, this is obviously a publicity stunt and uh kim ends up saying yeah but everybody loves a hero i feel like kim is falling for jimmy uh, after this
1: yeah I, I thought so too i thought the, the kind of she the actress it. the actress kind of uh she kind of slow played it which was nice uh there wasn't like a smile that kind of broke across her face or anything but she was sort of dismissive of hamlin and, and kind of saying yeah yeah you know i do think she admires jimmy a little bit his pluck i mean it's it's uh it's admirable the moxie that this guy's got. He's a fighter and uh, he's a plucky kind of fighter kind of guy. And that's the Irish coming out. Maybe uh, that's a good, good thing to have. And, uh, and I think that that's, uh, that's something that you would want a lawyer to have is that plucky kind of fighter kind of reputation. So it's definitely admirable. We, uh, we had a question uh, related to that. I think we'll get to uh, later on when we're taking questions, but uh, there's some interesting uh, speculation about what could be the future between Kim and Jimmy. Wow. Kimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, it's happening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh,
0: I want to talk about there was one scene with Mike tonight. Uh, Not too much business for Mike to do, but they have sort of this interesting conversation about where Mike is talking with Jimmy and Jimmy says, hey, would you believe those people? They were right there. I guess you would believe it because uh, they were only a couple miles away. And they talk about how, you know, criminals are dumber than you would imagine most of the time. And uh, obviously, uh, Mike mentioned something about how, you know, not everybody is as gifted as Saul. Uh, What did you think of uh, that conversation?
1: It's interesting. I was kind of reviewing some of the older episode stuff. And there's a point where, where Mike says, you've restored my faith in the justice system. And so that, that kind of looking back at last week's episode, why Mike might have been motivated to help, to help Jimmy, I do think there's some kind of story there that's, a, that's pushed Mike away, uh, that kind of has, has affected Mike in such a way that he's really bitter and probably doesn't like cops. There's also a moment in one of the earlier episodes where, I think it's last episode, where the police officer touches Mike and he kind of gives him this kind of don't touch me kind of thing going And it's I think it seems clear that he doesn't like the police or the justice system, Uh, but it it doesn't seem like he's that uh, that great about criminals either or necessarily uh, Jimmy when Jimmy's trying to make small talk with him. So he seems kind of sour on every aspect of it. So it will be very interesting to see how Mike kind of comes into play here, considering that he seems sour on all aspects of the situation uh, in terms of the lawyers, the cops, everybody.
0: Yeah. Um very interesting to see uh how a smart criminal is gonna be handling things. Of course, Breaking Bad was a show that was based around a very smart criminal. And uh obviously Better Call Saul is another show that is gonna be based around somebody who's a very intelligent but also a very criminal uh person.
1: Yeah, and it's it's sort of uh it's sort of like watch what you wish for when, when Jimmy says Breaks my heart a little bit, the, the way criminals are dumb, uh, because he shouldn't be excited when he later in Breaking Bad, as Saul meets Walter White uh, or Gus Fring, maybe in the course of this season uh, or this series, uh, who are smart criminals, uh, ultimately, uh, because those are the guys that do him in. Those are the guys that, that kind of put him in the, the gene chair there at the end of the at the at beginning of the first episode. You don't want to be in that gene chair, uh, but the, those are the guys who put him there, smart criminals. So I, I think you got to watch what you wish for if you're Jimmy McGill there.
0: You always got to watch what you wish for. Um, Let's talk about Chuck. I know Chris Berger in the chat is very uh, concerned that we don't seem concerned enough about Chuck. And uh, we had the whole thing with that. He was uh, Jimmy was hiding the newspaper. He didn't want Chuck to read about it. And then Chuck very astutely figures out that everybody else has a newspaper and he makes a run for it. Let me start with what do you think of like the saving private Ryan uh, editing style they went with for Chuck's escapade out of there and does that tell us anything about Chuck's condition?
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I appreciated seeing it from both Chuck's point of view and the neighbor's point of view. From Chuck's point of view, this was this horrible world. It was almost like he was uh, a caveman transmitted to modern society and shouting at cars and, you know, his, the, our modern ways frighten and confuse him. So uh, I think that that was, uh, he's like, yeah, he's, like, he's a lawyer, you know, and he's unfrozen. So uh, I could see that happening. I mean, I could see that, that, I like seeing it from his perspective because I like understanding that he really is that screwed up by this. It's not something that he's faking. Uh, It may be something that's not real that's in his head, but it's not something that he's faking. And so he was really screwed up by this. And to the neighbor across the street, he looks like a crazy person running around with a space blanket on. Like, so I I like seeing it from those two different perspectives, because I I feel like that's, um, that's important that we know that Chuck really is that screwed up. Uh, uh, Most of the series to this point, has been from only Jimmy's point of view. I think we got more scenes tonight uh, that didn't include Jimmy than we've seen on any previous episode. So I like, I like these scenes, not from Jimmy's point of view, because we get a hint of what the characters really are about. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, the Chuck stuff. I don't know. I I, 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 didn't mind the editing style, but Nando had tweeted at us uh, at, at, at random Nando and asked, does the show have a Chuck problem? What do you think about that?
0: Whoa. Um, I do. Uh, let me just uh, real, real quick state that I believe after tonight's episode, I think that we can confirm that Chuck has some sort of mental illness. It's not anything uh, going on. I know we've speculated on a lot of different things, but uh, are you 100% on board mental illness for Chuck?
1: I would say that it it whatever it is, uh, it affects him mentally more than anything. Yeah. I mean, I, there may be an electromagnetic allergy or sensitivity there, but I think how that manifests is, is more mental than anything else, for sure. And as
0: far as the Chuck problem, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't th- think it's a disaster or anything like that. Uh, I mean, uh, in the pantheon of scripted TV shows, like there have been way, 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 way worse things than this. Uh, that being said, I'm not like, Ooh, what's going on with Chuck? Excited to check back in with Chuck, a Chuck check.
1: <laughs> Do the Chuck check. Yeah.
0: I'm never excited for a Chuck check. But I could see it improving. Like I'm not as down on Chuck as I am about uh, some other uh, some other characters on uh, any other shows uh, that I'm watching.
1: Yeah. You don't want to put Chuck in the penalty box. You don't want to ground Chuck is what you're saying.
0: Well, Chuck would prefer if
1: everybody would ground
0: themselves before they come in. That (laughs) would be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to
1: ground Chuck. We don't need a, we don't need ground Chuck, even though it's <laughs> better than ground beef, which would be fine in a cooler in someone's house. Now, I, I, I gotta th- I gotta say that I I trust Vince Gilligan. So, in, in in terms of Nando's question, I I don't think that the show has a Chuck problem. Uh, I think that it, it that it's possible the show could develop a Chuck problem, but I do trust Vince Gilligan that they'll make Chuck matter in ways that aren't just he's going to make Jimmy feel guilty. Because very clearly, that's something he, he is already happening. Like Jimmy is like not wanting to bring him that paper because he knows that Chuck's going to sniff this out right away. And he's going to make him feel bad about it. There's going to be more to Chuck, though, than just what he makes Jimmy feel emotionally. I have I have a strong feeling about this. I don't know what it'll be, uh, but I, I do think that there's going to be more to it than just this emotional weight that drags Jimmy down. I think it, it almost has to. Uh, to have more uh, of a, a double kind of narrative impact than just something that makes Jimmy sad. I mean, think about Breaking Bad. We never saw Walter White's mother. Mm-hmm. We never saw anyone from Walter White's family, even though there were clearly some issues there. Uh, we we never saw like his his mom, his dad, uh, any siblings, anything like that uh, that may have existed. Uh, the mom was the main one because she was mentioned in the show multiple times, never showed up. So she could have showed up to make us kind of feel guilty about Walter or make me feel guilty for Walter or whatever, but we never got her. And now we're getting Chuck and we already see that emotionally Saul's got a lot, or Jimmy's got a lot going on, but we don't see what real impact Chuck has other than that. We did see him kind of helping Jimmy in jail earlier in the series. So clearly he played a role as a mentor. I think Jimmy worked in the mailroom at Chuck's law firm. I think it's kind of uh, seemed to, to been suggested about that. So I don't know. I think we'll uh, we'll see where we go with Chuck. But I I trust Vince Gilligan to make Chuck matter more than just on the emotional level, because they could have gone to that well a million times in Breaking Bad and they never did. And I just don't think the show is going to spend too much time on that.
0: But I wonder, as Jimmy becomes more successful, how important of a character is Chuck? Because I feel like in the opening episode or two, uh, it was set up that Jimmy is pretty much destitute. And his long con was going to be he wants to get Chuck's money from the law firm. Um, That being said, now that doesn't look like it's happening. Jimmy is sort of like going out on his own. And now if business is good, what sort of role does Chuck have in all of this if Jimmy is going to be able to sustain himself without any sort of assistance from Chuck?
1: Yeah, I mean Chuck seems to be a great legal mind. Uh, at least that he was, and and it doesn't seem like that his it doesn't seem like his mind in, in terms of his his ability to think like a lawyer or or strategize like a lawyer is gone. It seems like his ability to go out into the world is what's missing. Uh, so he could still play like the the kind of consulieri type role uh, as Saul grows up. Maybe we find out uh, that as as Saul becomes Saul, you know, not as Jimmy when he when he grows into Saul Goodman. And if we, if the show takes us to the events of breaking bad that Chuck was around the whole time and he was actually helping Jimmy pull strings. I mean, we we may find out more about Chuck, Whoa. but I think, I think as you're right, like, I think as we know Chuck right now, there just isn't much of a role for him. Uh, but maybe it's a one season deal. Like maybe the story of Chuck is something that is about Jimmy's origin story uh, as Saul. And he's going to have to kind of leave him in the dust. Uh, if he wants to kind of be fully, you know, if he wants to break bad, like, Chuck represents uh, no measures or half measures, and you don't want to do that when you've got that kind of thing weighing you down uh, and keeping you from being the, the truly kind of criminal, criminal lawyer that you're meant to be. So maybe that's all Chuck's going to do. I don't know.
0: Maybe Walter White could explain to Chuck that electromagn- <laughs> electromagnet's uh, really, uh, everything's okay. He, he's going to be fine. Maybe he could <laughs> sort of like, like explain on the blackboard, you see, Chuck, uh, <laughs> things are going to be okay. Like, oh, okay. Thank you, Mr. White.
1: Yeah, but can you imagine Chuck uh, at that heist where they were trying to steal a laptop back uh, in Breaking Bad with the magnets?
0: Oh, boy. It oh. is not enough <laughs> spoil, uh space blankets in the world.
1: Oh, no. You could. I mean, he could build a house out of space blankets, and he still wouldn't be able to, to de-louse from that. Uh, so, yeah, that, uh, that would be a very unfortunate spot for Chuck to find himself for sure.
0: Um, the watch that Saul puts in the mailbox, is that the same watch from the scams back in the day?
1: yeah i i don't know that's a good question he he kind of made some hints about how they had a few more left and that they were getting the money out of it so it seemed like they had bought a bunch of fake rolexes in in kind of uh maybe in a gross or something uh or on the streets of chicago there but i i have no idea if that's exactly what they were you know if he was running that uh, or not with the still keeping that around as sort of a sentimental thing a connection to his old life that'd be a nice little character note though
0: yeah um do you want to touch on the uh, relationship between Saul and Kim a little more? Do you want to drill down uh, to- towards that a little bit and where that's going?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely tracking this because what happens when we started the series is that, is that Jimmy and Kim seem to have some pre-existing thing. Now, as I've said, rewatching the episodes, I think it's kind of hinted at uh, that Jimmy once worked in the mailroom. Had at, at Hamlin and Hamlin and McGill. Uh, when Jimmy's walking around the firm, he knows everybody. Chuck kind of says to him at one point, like he mentions a bunch of like administrative people at the law firm. And he's like, all your old mailroom buddies will be there. So I do think that Jimmy, probably the story is that Jimmy is kind of a criminal in Chicago. Chuck kind of gets him out uh, with some kind of promise that Jimmy's going to make to Chuck. Like, I'm not going to ever do anything negative again. I want to come work with you. I'll come work at your law firm. I'll do all this stuff. And Chuck agrees kind of to do all these things. Maybe there's some greater element to it. Maybe it's like, I'll, I'll name you my beneficiary and my will uh, if you kind of stay on the straight and narrow. So maybe there are really high stakes for Jimmy here. But uh, at some point, I think he did kind of come into contact with Kim before, because if you guys remember in the first episode, uh, when, when kind of Jimmy walks out angry, Kim's sitting there smoking and Jimmy just grabs a cigarette out of her hand and puts it in his mouth and takes a pull. And he says something like, can't you? And she says, no. And so that's all we really know about them. Now she's talking about taking him out on a date for dinner and a movie, some Kurt Russell action, maybe a wolf howl. I don't know. Like there's some, the uh, there's some, the thing. Yeah. The thing That's uh, nobody knows who doesn't like the thing really. But yeah, I think there's something going on there. Like, uh, I don't know if it's something that's already happened um, or something that will happen. I I just I just think that there's it's there's too much smoke for there to not be enough fire uh, between the two of them. And I don't know. Uh, Chelsea uh, Chelsea said uh, 1905 said in the chat room, she's so into him. And I don't know. Do Whoa. you think she's so into him? Are you picking up on that?
0: I think she's sort of like intrigued by him. Like, I feel like she's somewhat like repulsed by him, but also attracted to him.
1: Yeah, that's like the, the Costanza like he left a hat at her house one time yeah, or something like she can't
0: get him out like uh McGill yeah James McGill yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's a interesting vibe do you think that at some point Jimmy will get Kim to pull a Jerry Maguire and leave the firm leave the agency to come and work with him
1: I think that was hinted at tonight. Like I think that he he's really kind of pressing that, and I think that it's. I mean, why? Look, look, he's living the high life. He's uh, taking the foot bath at night and sitting in the massage chair and drinking the cucumber water. That's so nice, man. Who wouldn't want that lifestyle? That's good. Um, Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, I want to get into taking some questions uh, live here from people, Uh, and then Antonio, we're going to get into uh, some emails that we got during the week at our Better Call Saul at postshowrecaps.com email address. But let's go ahead, let's fire up the emails, the stuff that you guys want to talk about right now, in the moment, live. We're really, we're on the razor's edge right now.
1: But I'm I I feel like I, we this could go either way, Rob. We could go over the deep end right here. Go either way. You know if it often does. <laughs> All right. Uh oh
0: Zach Brooks wants to know. Uh danger on that dumpster uh is ominous and terrifying. Um did you key in on anything
1: in the dumpster? I for some reason I thought this question was related to our discussion of Kim. I apologize. Uh, uh this is uh this is I, I thought I didn't know it was tied in i i thought the whole thing was ominous first of all i I paused it because i wanted to see who was on the driver's license and i was like that's nobody that we've seen or heard of like i don't know what's going on there and then i'm feeling like the movie the departed where there's just a quick stabbing in an alley like that and i'm just like this is this is not going to go well like i don't know what's going to happen and i thought maybe we're going to see a chicago sunroof i was like this is it we're going to see a chicago sunroof we're going to know what this is that did cross my Uh, mind yeah but I, I thought maybe it involved a dumpster somehow. But then I remembered there was a sex offense alleged in a Chicago sunroof. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this, you know, the danger was definitely prevalent, whether in dumpster form or otherwise. Yeah. Jimmy is the danger. He is the danger. He's the one who, uh, he's the one who talks. He's the one who howls. Yeah, well, apparently, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Ryan Maker says, who else thought, uh, that sign was going, uh, to be Saul, uh, now I'm not sure which which sign. Uh, I
1: think Jason Ryan means the billboard. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, the Better Call Saul billboard. Um, it was interesting that he did for the first time identify himself uh, to the guy in the flashback as uh, Saul, Saul Goodman and gave the backstory of Saul Goodman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and that kind of uh, confirmed for canon what people have been. Sort of making jokes about ever since Breaking Bad that Saul Goodman was just sort of this in, in interpolation of it's all good, man. So there yeah. you go.
0: Well, it's not a bad idea if you're going to be pulling scams on people not to use your real name.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is a pretty good one to use. Yeah, uh,
0: my real name's not
1: even Rob Sisternino. I had a feeling about that, but I wasn't sure. What is your What is your real name? Do you want to reveal it for here for once and forever? Uh, Timmy McGill timmy mcgill god. i should have known that uh people said i couldn't use it well there's another mcgill out there yeah oh god a timmy who sucks yes that's yes. no good we can't have that yes uh, i can put the screws to him if you want
0: yes all right uh this question is from johnny disilvera shout out to johnny uh it says chuck obviously has no faith in his brother uh hashtag well-founded
1: yeah, uh, this is we talked about this. Chuck knows Slip and Jimmy. He knows the ins and the outs of these scams, and he knows ultimately that this is something that uh, doesn't doesn't sit right with him. This is uh, this is I'm not backsliding Jimmy McGill, who is backsliding. And for whatever Chuck is or isn't worth in this show, and we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, he definitely knows what's up for sure. And it is well-founded. Good yeah. call, Johnny.
0: That is true. Okay, uh, let's take one from uh, Jordan uh, Zielinski. Uh, When Nacho comes back, do you think Jimmy will look uh, to Mike to help? Do you think that he will go to Mike to protect him from Nacho?
1: Yeah, I think that... uh, I don't know why he would know that Mike would be a good source for that, but uh, maybe Mike will witness it. Maybe something will happen in the the parking lot there or something, and maybe Jimmy will be abducted and Mike will be somebody that kind of gets on the case, like sort of... I, I feel like whatever Mike does with Jimmy, it's gonna sort of be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I guess it's fine. Like he's gonna eor his way into this, and uh, and it's not gonna be something he just jump like goes Tigger into. It's gonna be full Eeyore. Like he's not gonna bound into it all happy go lucky. This is not Mike. Mike's gonna like roll his eyes and yell yeah, help, whatever. So it's gonna be ha- if he if he, I don't know how Jimmy's gonna get him to help if Nacho's involved. It might have to be something where Mike feels like I gotta save this guy's life now
0: all right uh antonio you take this one from jason burning
1: yeah this is from jason burning jason says to us so the opening scene was pre the events of better call saul and not after breaking bad is that right Up, uh, we don't know that we don't know that for sure right well, i guess we don't know it for sure i mean the the, the clothing i think kind of indicated 90s the music certainly could have been anytime, time uh, but we don't i don't think we know it for sure i'd say the hairstyle Kind of lets us know that this might have been an earlier version of Jimmy McGill. But uh but yeah, I don't know, Jason. Uh that could be a wig. You never know. We we, we need somebody on Wig Watch, Ralph. Wig Watch.
0: (laughs) Is Bob Odenkirk uh pulling off the twenty something year old?
1: Uh let's be real. Not really, right? (laughs) I mean they're dressing him up in twenty something year old clothes and giving him twenty something year old catchphrases (laughs) and wigs, but it's not playing for me. I like this idea, though. I like that we, we, we're going to like take him all the way back to the womb at some point. Yeah. Like this is We just keep going further and further back. I like this.
0: Yeah, it, it's like when Tom Hanks was playing Forrest
1: Gump in high school. Yeah, exactly. Like, I believe the man <laughs> said he had to go pee.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Keep doing it. Go back further. Go back. Yeah, to, like, let's take,
1: take us back. We have to go back. Yeah. Rob. We have to
0: go back. Yeah, I want to see Bob Odenkirk playing <laughs> Jimmy in like, uh, like 12 years old.
1: Yeah, better call Zygote. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> all right uh buddha ben says could kim eventually join saul's law firm if so what do you think happens uh, to her in between uh then and breaking bad all right so i touched on maybe could she do the jerry Maguire, but what do you think happens to her uh in between uh the end of better call saul and the start of breaking bad
1: couple of possibilities here Uh-oh. first off saul mentions he has two ex-wives uh in breaking bad Uh, And that's not a spoiler unless you've not seen Breaking Bad, in which case we don't know if it's true or not. Everything Saul says in Breaking Bad could have been a come on, could have been a line, could have been something that was or wasn't true. Uh, In the moment, he might have said something to be relatable. That's what Saul Goodman does. And so it's not clear if he actually does have two ex-wives, but Kim could be one of them. Uh, Or, and I think this is kind of probably more likely... She sort of screams the kind of character who uh, ends up dying, right? Like that. If you want to put the screws to to Jimmy McGill and you can't can't kill him for whatever reason, Kim's kind of expendable. She's the kind of person that you take out. So. I, I would worry. I'm, I'm already on Kim death watch. I'm a little worried about her, but uh, she doesn't have to die. But I think that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, because if you want to kill somebody on this show, you kind of got to kill somebody you just made up for this show, and yep. we don't have a ton of people like that. Uh, you know, 100% Chuck is dying during this uh, series, but yeah, Kim would be another uh, another one you could kill off.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the problem. If if the show wants to have any real narrative jeopardy, we just know that uh, we even know from the first 10 minutes of Better Call Saul that Gene, a.k.a. Saul, a.k.a. Jimmy, does survive the events of not only this series, but the next one. And so it is something that uh, to to jeopardize anybody, to put any kind of narrative drama in there, uh, the the expendable ones are the ones that are going to be on the line. So it's not good.
0: What if the timeline has
1: changed? Uh, In what regard?
0: Uh, what if Spock from the future came back and then now the timeline is different. So things aren't necessarily going to happen the way we remember them.
1: Oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind with this one. And then all of a sudden Chris Pine starts crying. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Oh gosh, this is, uh, this is really taking me away. I don't know. I had to think about that one. I guess, uh, maybe he could, he could meet himself uh, in the episode and that would be, uh, kind of interesting they'd have a weird little spock off and i don't know how saul gets involved in this but uh i certainly would be interested
0: okay uh let's go to uh this question why don't you take this one antonio
1: yes this is from alex a with uh six wise and it says uh what tribe does jimmy McGill belong on in survivor 30 keep in mind he does break the rules so let me reset this we have three tribes coming up for survivor season 30 we have white collar tribe those are the tribe that uh, those are the people that make the rules make right the rules we have the blue collar tribe and those are the people who follow the rules yeah and then we I, have, I
0: believe that's uh, not just blue but uh that is also uh uh <laughs> i want to uh, make sure i have this right it's a uh, ham lindigo
1: ham lindigo ham lindigo yes. collar tribe is uh, yes. yep that is is that you think that ham lindigo is the color of walter white's methamphetamine Ooh, that's interesting I um there'll be a nice little uh, color palette touch there. And then we have the no collar tribe which uh I guess that just means they don't uh, they don't wear collars, is that right? Yes, yes. They break the rules. They break, break the rules. rules. Like, People like you the Bad Boy podcast. Like Nacho. Yeah. And like Nacho. So where does Jimmy fit?
0: Uh Jimmy is going to be I mean, he's white collar, he's a lawyer, but he could be, you know, an evil lawyer, but he's still a lawyer.
1: Yeah, but what if he's a lawyer rob who really wants to get in the system and change it from the inside. Doesn't that make him a no collar tribe person? No, he's still a lawyer. It, uh, <laughs> I think
0: that like the definition of white collar is like, you know, doctor, lawyer, like CEO type people. Like, I think that's a hundred percent white collar. It doesn't matter what kind of lawyer you are. What if he was a law
1: student, Rob? No, then, then you know, collar. Oh, no-collar. okay. I see. I see the distinction. Not at all. That's fine. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, here's this question. Spicy Wasabi X says uh couldn't Jimmy have negotiated more hush money from the Kettlemans? Uh seems like he caved too easily. Well first he didn't even want it.
1: Yeah. I like that Spicy Wasabi has gone the Malcolm X route and thrown the X on the end. I like that. Um yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I I I think he probably could have negotiated more money, but I think you're right, Rob. I think he kind of took it with a little bit of sadness. I don't think he necessarily wanted uh that money, and so I think he look it was like thirty thousand dollars at least uh and that's the, 2002 uh, money yeah that's two thousand that's like thirty eight thousand dollars in today's yeah. money I don't know so yeah i mean uh, it's uh, look if somebody hands you stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks like that, I don't think you're gonna really sweat like can I, have, can I have one more stack like that's a lot of money, so you probably could have negotiated for more money but uh you got to be careful with those Kettleman's. You never know what's going to happen around the corner with them.
0: Okay. One more question. and Let's do some email. Uh, this is from uh, Nando who says, do you think that we see Jimmy change to Saul Goodman by season's end or did they save that for the next season?
1: Well, we're only going to get 10 episodes. And we just finished four, uh, but there doesn't seem to be an overarching story to this season other than the Kettleman's and the feud with Hamlin. And I don't know if that's enough for 10 episodes or not. I think that at some point we are going to have to see some sort of really big inciting incident or something to kind of drive the narrative for the rest of these episodes. And I don't I don't know. That will probably be something that comes from Nacho, I would imagine. Uh, But I don't think that's going to necessarily get us to the full on Saul by the end of this season keep in mind that they knew when they were writing these episodes that they were renewed for two seasons. Mm-hmm. So they knew that they could save some of their big things uh, for season two. And so, but I have heard that, uh, and this is not a spoiler. I have heard uh, from the advanced kind of episodes that people have seen that episode six coming up is incredible. So something big's happening in episode six. I don't know what it'll be. Uh, maybe it'll be our Saul Goodman moment. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Now I heard the same thing from Dalton Ross uh, when I spoke to him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, So do you think that the Saul Goodman thing becomes born out of the you can't use the McGill name anymore?
1: That certainly seems to be where it's trending. And furthermore, if Saul Goodman was a name that Jimmy used while he was running scams, that it's not even just a Slip and Jimmy, it's kind of an alter ego, the name he gave out to the people he was scamming. Then there's a certain, certain sort of poetry in it that if he embraces the Saul Goodman name, at the end of some long battle with Hamlin where Chuck is involved and Chuck is kind of telling him, be good, be honest, work hard. That'll all work out for you. And he's like, Nope, I'm going to be Saul Goodman. Like I'm going to be the guy who you didn't want me to be and who I promised you I wouldn't be because you didn't stand up enough for me to this Hamlin guy. Who's trying to take my very name away from me. Kind of took his side a little bit. And so I think there's a lot of poetry in that. If he does become Saul Goodman because of this battle with McGill uh, and, and because of, where Chuck stands on the anti kind of uh, backsliding criminal stance. I think that there will be uh, some poetry in that for sure. All right, let's get into the email, Antonio. Yeah, let's do it. So, as always, you guys can send us emails if you have kind of a longer form question that you can't uh, address on Twitter because it's 140 characters, or you want to really ruminate, send theories, longer things. You can always address them to Saul at postshowrecaps.com. That is our show specific email. So that's better call Saul at postshowRecaps.com. We did have a couple of uh, lingering questions from last week. The first one was from Jay Lopez, uh, and that's Johnny Lopez. Johnny said, "Is Saul calling the Kettlemans to warn them?" A correlation to Hank getting a call to warn him about the cousins. Did Saul, in fact, warn Hank? I don't remember in Big Brother in Big Brother. in Breaking Bad, if we ever got an answer to that question. Thanks, Johnny Lopez. So yeah, I, I'm interested in that. I don't think we did ever get a confirmation directly as to who called Hank to warn him about the cousins. I think that there is some belief that Gus Fring was involved somehow, because there it was getting around to Gus that these cousins were involved. He's the one who texted them the word, I, I think he texted them the word Poyos, or he texted him something to kind of get them out of Walter White's house early in the season. Uh, and so Gus is, was involved with these cousins, and I think there was some belief that Gus might have called the cousins off of Hank or might have called Hank to warn him, you have one minute or whatever. But we saw the sex robot voice last episode with the weird little spoof or whatever that was that Saul had worked out uh, with the the paper towel roll. And it's entirely possible that that same disguised voice that called Hank and said, you have one minute, was Saul Goodman. What do you think, Rob?
0: Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that it's I thought it was pretty clear that it was Gus Fring. I can't imagine that it was Saul because, uh, what tie would Saul have to the cousins? Uh, we, we saw him with, with Tuco, uh, earlier this season. Didn't seem like, uh, that they were going to becoming, uh, fast friends. Um, and I just think that by the time that happens, uh, I don't think that, that I don't think Saul had anything to do with that.
1: Yeah. And I, and I don't necessarily think that I, I think that we were meant to believe it was Gus. Like I said, for the reasons that I was kind of articulating that he was kind of the one who called the cousins off of Walter earlier in the season. Uh, and, uh, and that that's probably something that was happening. Chris Berger says we need a fan fiction drop for this question. Uh, and Justin Hesson and Chelsea in the 1905 in the chat room thinks it, think it's Gus as well. So, you know, I think that that was strongly suggested by Breaking Bad, but I don't think that it was ever directly confirmed that it was Gus. So it does leave open the possibility uh, that it was that it was Saul or Jimmy. And it is interesting that this is a this is this is a thing that Jimmy did at the time. But that said, Jimmy McGill of Better Call Saul, with the way that he relates to people not wanting to take a bribe, wanting to warn the Kettleman's that is not Saul Goodman that we know from Breaking Bad. Saul Goodman that we know from Breaking Bad was only looking out for one person most of the time. And that was Saul Goodman. He was not the kind of guy who seemed to have much of a conscience or any kind of moral compunction to stay out of this kind of situations that Jimmy does want to stay out of. So I think the fact that he was warning somebody early on as Jimmy McGill does not mean that later on as Saul Goodman, he'd have that same kind of like heart that Jimmy McGill seems to have, where he's actually trying to do good a lot of the time. I think Chuck's sitting on one one shoulder, and everything else that he's going to encounter as Jimmy McGill, including and not limited to Nacho, Tuco, Walter White, is sitting on the other shoulder. And I think that the, the Chuck voices, the angel voices, are saying, Warn people, and everything else he's going to encounter are saying, Just take care of yourself, man. So I think by the time we meet him in Breaking Bad, he's not the kind of guy that makes those phone calls anymore. I agree. Uh, do you have any more email? Uh, Yeah, we've got another one, uh, and this is kind of on a lighter note. This one's from Van Scott, uh, and Van wants to know, do you think we'll see Huel this year? Uh, And if not, what character in the Breaking Bad universe would we most want to see in the show?
0: Hmm. Well, um, I do not believe we will see Huel. Well, we've talked about Huel a couple of times, but I don't think we're going to see him, at least not this season.
1: No, he's, uh, I mean, uh, they got to get that actor out of that safe house that he's still waiting in from Breaking Bad. It's going to be pretty hard. The actor is still locked up? I, I think he's still waiting there. Nobody told him it was time to leave. Yes. But uh, I don't know. I I would like to see Bill Burr on uh, on Better Call Saul. Bill Burr doesn't work enough, in my opinion. He's a hilarious guy. Uh, if you'll recall, you know, Bill Burr had some great moments on Breaking Bad, but um, he wasn't necessarily a character that I mean, he was with Saul. He wasn't a character that stood on his own. Uh, and so, you know, he plays that that one of Saul's henchmen. I think his name was like uh, Kuby. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. And so he shows up in the later seasons of Breaking Bad. I would love to see Kuby show up, uh, kind of in these earlier seasons. But if we're going to get Kuby, we're probably going to get Huel. So I'd love to see those two. They don't they don't work enough, and I think they would fit without uh without being the. I think they would add a a, a good dynamic to the show. If but I don't I don't think we can have that until Jimmy becomes Saul.
0: I would like to see Wendy the prostitute
1: oh good old good old wendy yeah yeah wendy could make her way back into this show she could wind her way back in yeah i think that would be good why any particular reason you'd like to see her you're just a fan of wendy's
0: i think so oh i am a fan of wendy's that goes without saying hey quality is the recipe man yeah man you can get chili and uh a, and a frosty and like uh like a, a couple things like six seven bucks what do you, how are you yeah. gonna beat that
1: no, you're not. And it was founded in Ohio. So, uh, so that's a nice Midwestern uh, deal there.
0: Yes. All right. Uh, Antonio, is that on the, on the mailbag?
1: I think that's it uh, on the mailbag for kind of last week's episode. But again, you guys just hit us up and we'll let you know. Um, I actually, we did have one more email from Zach Brooks, uh, and Zach, uh, Zach just said that he thinks that the better call Saul storyline is definitely going Uh, to tie into the future and somebody finding Saul in Omaha. Now that we're four episodes into this series, do you think we have any reason to believe eh, any more than we did when we talked about it on the first episode that we're going to jump further ahead and we're actually going to jump timelines into what we saw in the first 15 minutes of this series?
0: Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think we've gotten any more evidence. Uh, to, I think maybe the most interesting thing we cracked was tonight. We talk about the orange, uh, looking at the orange clothes. Uh, maybe that could be a foreshadowing towards a jail sentence coming for uh, Jimmy Slash Saul. But I don't think I've, we've seen anything in four episodes that makes us think that we're going to spend more time. I think we probably will, but I don't, haven't seen anything that's going to be foreshadowing towards that.
1: No, and and I, what I appreciate is that we have seen you know, at the beginning in our, in our cold opens, right. We've seen the cold open with Cinnabon. We've seen the cold open with, with Jimmy in jail. Uh, We've seen the cold open with Jimmy kind of running a scam. So we are kind of playing with time in our cold opens of this show. And I like that. That's a kind of a, a fairly consistent kind of running thing that's happening here. Uh, All the episodes are ending in the letter O. I don't know if there's anything to that, but that is clearly happening as well. Uh, so as to whether or not that, that kind of portends any kind of jump to the future here, I, I don't, I can't say that for sure, but, uh, I, I would be interested to see, I mean, I like how this show is playing with time. We talked about that. I like how the show is kind of unabashedly doing that, uh, because it, it really leaves the door open for just about anything. Like we could absolutely go further into the quote unquote future, uh, with Saul Goodman as Gene at, at a Cinnabon. Uh, But I I mean, uh, the way that was presented, I don't know. I mean, thinking back to Breaking Bad, there were times when that series key and in key moments flashed forward. The beginning of season five is a great example where we saw like one year later uh, what was happening with Walter White. And this hes buying a giant gun. Like, what the heck's going on there? And then it takes us a while to get back to that. So this show has no problem uh, kind of flashing to, to moments that happened. Season two, we talked about this. In Breaking Bad, where they show the beginning with the plane crash and you see little moments of this horrible thing that's happened um, playing throughout the beginning of several of the episodes. Uh, That was a show that played with time as well in the cold open. So I do think that it's uh, it's entirely possible. But our cold opens have been a lot longer and better call Saul than they were in Breaking Bad in most cases. So I, 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 I can't tell if they're saying like, hey, we thought about all the shows we could have made with Saul Goodman and we thought we could have made one when he was a scam artist. We could have made one when he was in jail. We could have made one when he was a young lawyer. We could have made one. So we're going to give you all of them. We're going to just throw it all in the cold opens. We're going to bounce around. We could have made one after we could have made. So that may be what's happening in our cold opens is we're getting multiple different versions of what this show could have been in grander form. uh, But they chose to take on the milieu of this, like as he's starting out as a lawyer in Albuquerque kind of thing. So. I don't know if that's what's happening, but uh, it is interesting that the show's playing with the cold opens because it does leave the door open to what Zach's asking about, which is the actual prime timeline of the show jumping into the future uh, and dealing with Gene as a Cinnabon guy. I don't know. I'd like to get there, but uh, it would it would you know I'm interested in spending a lot more time here for now.
0: The timeline has changed, Antonio. I'm
1: telling you. Oh, is this a flash sideways, Rob? Yes, it's a flash oh, sideways. No. Things are different. All uh, right. Somebody's gonna shoot at Saul from some canoe and we're never gonna hear the end of it. We're never gonna hear the end of it. All right,
0: Antonio, do we have a hashtag from tonight's show?
1: We got a couple options, right? We it's got really uh, we've got we've got wolf voice, right? Yes, wolf got, voice. Uh, we've got uh two buttholes. I don't think we want to no, use that one. Oh no. <laughs> I
0: don't think
1: it's like that uh like that Reddit AMA about the man uh, who had uh, <laughs> we don't want to go there. All right, all right. Uh, anybody else any other any other how options about, anybody uh, in the chat room have a suggestion or about, what do what is chuck check chuck check we could do ha- i like i like hashtag chuck check
0: okay let's do that let's do a chuck check uh yeah. as we're checking on <laughs> better check on chuck all
1: right <laughs> uh
0: antonio uh what is coming up on justified
1: Well, Justified, its final season is in full swing. Josh Wiggler and I are podcasting about Justified here at Post Show Recaps. Justified airs Tuesday night, so if you're watching the episodes live, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, He's at Round Howard, and I am at AC Mazzaro, as you can see, A-C-M-A-Z-Z-A-R-O. With your questions about Justified, and we'd love to talk to you. Rob, that final season of Justified is just firing on all cylinders. It's awesome television.
0: It's great! It's all happening. All right, yeah. so next Monday night, Antonio and I will be back to talk about uh, episode number five of Better Call Saul. Uh, that will be live at eleven fifteen p.m eastern time eight fifteen uh p.m pacific and uh i am at robs of course antonio uh, is at ac mazzaro uh thanks to uh scott st pierre for uh putting everything together behind the scenes and i know we alluded to it but uh zach brooks and i are going to be getting into the house of cards that's coming this weekend
1: tap tap i'm I'm really looking forward to it that'll be, be great back getting back into fu territory were you always into it
0: i feel i feel like last year you were a little uh not as into the house of cards
1: i think the show thinks it's a lot better than it is but i think once the show kind of embraced like just you. just like uh everything that frank underwood should be i felt a lot better about it i think that the, the show was kind of like Oh, he's kind of the schemer. And then there were murders committed in the first, uh, in the first series where it's like, wow, like that, that really was like a, a notch too far. But at the beginning of the second series, what Frank Underwood does, it's like, okay, so you're just totally owning this now. And that first episode of the second series, I just started enjoying the show for what it was and on a different level than, than what I expected of it before. When David Fincher was so involved and it was such a big deal at the beginning of the first series. Yeah. He's like Jimmy McGill.
0: He's yeah, it's like fun.
1: slipping, slipping Frank slipping frankie it's good it's good times it's good times
0: all right uh thanks again everybody for uh checking out the show tonight looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments and uh we'll talk to you next week take care bye